Okay, good morning in Efrelech and Shushan Purim. <clears throat> I want to thank our sponsors for this morning and for the series for the whole year, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, who sponsored our Munashir in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, Baruch Tzvi ben Ruvein Nassan, whose neshama should have a continued aliyah through our learning and the many, 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 many positive impacts he's had in this world. Okay, we're still learning this piece by Ravi Tamar Schwartz, the author of the Bill Bavi. And he's been tracing the origins of Bitochon from where we draw the strength of Bitochon, what Bitochon is really all about. And he talked about the notion that everything that exists in this world exists in three realms and in three spaces. We have three concepts, three Bechinos. We have the concept of Olam. I'm looking for where he writes this. I'm moving a little bit slower this morning. Oh, Olam, Shana, and Nefesh. Makom, Zman, and Nefesh. Things exist in the realm of place, time, and soul. So, for example, mikdash, holiness, sanctity. Sanctity in place is the mishkan, or the base of mikdash, or today the shul. Sanctity in time is Shabbos. Shabbos, you enter the 25-hour period of Shabbos. is like entering the mikdash. And in the soul, we have a layer, a sacred layer, that we enter within ourselves. So this is true for every, every aspect. So first of all, I started, I said, you know, it's still Purim. Yes. My kids in Yerushalayim are sending pictures. It's like a time delay on Purim, it feels like. But it's Purim, Yerushalayim, walled cities are celebrating Purim today. Shushan Purim, we're still drawing from the energy of Purim, the energy of seeing Hashem in everything. To be Megala the Nister, Megillus Esther. To realize that every time we say the word Melech, it's really Hashem. To live our lives, where on the surface it can look like a string of coincidences or chance or randomness like the story of Purim that doesn't have Hashem's name in it. And yet our job is to dig deeper, is to peel away the layers. Our entire mission is to find to see Hashem. Purim may fall on the calendar for one day, but the experience, the joy of Purim really is the entire year. That's why Rav Hutner said that you don't say Havdalah at the end of Purim, because you don't distinguish between Purim and the next day. Purim carries you the entire year. It doesn't end. There is no Havdalah. I don't really understand that for because there's no Havdalah at the end of Hanukkah either. There's no Havdal on these minor rabbinical, two bishvat, there's no Havdal. Okay, but there's no Havdal at the end of Purim, because Purim doesn't end. You take the theme, the essence, you take Purim with you throughout the entire year. That's our mission. Our goal is to find and to reveal and to see Hashem everywhere and in everything, and we continue to carry that charge with us. Echen Mahabituyim. We're on the top of page four. Top of page four in this booklet. One of the bituyim, one of the um, phrases, hasharashiyim, that is core, one of the root fundamental phrases, bechazal mabara pnimi, when it comes to seeing our inner selves. Right? Rav Schwartz has been developing this idea that you can approach the world and you can experience the world with your external self, and your external self experiences the externality of the world in a way which is frazzled, in a way which is chaotic in a way which seems that you're battling from the moment that you wake up and you discover you have no voice and you feel like you're hit by a truck and you're not sure if you should cancel everything you had planned that day and you're battling just to open your eyes. So you wake up in the morning and some people feel like that every day, some people feel like that one day a year, but you wake up and, and you're battling from the moment you uh, press go. That's it. Everything's a battle. Everything. Externally, it looks like the whole world is a struggle, is a battle. 
What's the latest on coronavirus? What's the latest on Israel? What's the latest on your kids coming on Pesach? What's the latest on your kids having school? What's the latest on your health? What's the latest on your life? What's the latest on... You're just battling. You're battling to get through the day. You're battling with the news. You're battling with family. You're battling with finance. You're battling in relationships. You're battling with your eating habits. You're, bat- you're battling. The whole world is a battle. And it's unexpected, unanticipated battles. I don't know. The, the more... I don't know how anyone could be arrogant in our time. With all the progress and all the technological advance and all the tools and all the things that should breed arrogance, but the fact that you wake up on a given day and the entire world is transformed in a way that two days ago you never would have dreamt in your whole life. Whoever heard of coronavirus, whoever thought the stock market would plummet, whoever thought airline travel would be suspended, whoever thought everyone would quarantine, who knew the word quarantine? We haven't had a, a, a leprosy colony in my lifetime. Whoever thought that you'd be dealing with these kinds of things again? How could you be arrogant when any day you wake up and it's an entirely new world you're living in? With geopolitical issues that are going on, campaigns, one person looks like the shoe-in, the other person's imploding. Now that person is definitely going to be the candidate, the other person's imploding. You just, there's no room for arrogance in this world. Any day you wake up, you have no idea what world you're going to find. So how could you not be humble? How are you not humbled by realizing that? You think you're on top, the stock market's an all-time high, never mind, greatest loss in one day in the history of the stock market. Never mind. Like you just, there's no room for arrogance. It's all Hashem. Now, how do you reconcile that? There are people who are suffering and struggling. Economies are plummeting. There are people who lost their lives. Why would Hashem do that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Is that nature? Is it Hashem? Is it free will? Is it Hashem? These are complicated, difficult issues. I'm not avoiding them. We've touched on many of them. But my point is, you have to realize it's all Hashem. The humility in you has to look in this world and say, the changing world, the rapidly unanticipated, unpredictable, insane world we live in, what arrogant person, you know what's amazing also, even it used to be pundits spoke with some confidence. But after the last election, they realized that they're just paid to be talking heads. They don't even know what they're talking about. So even then, they qualify it. You know, even they hedge their bet. Even the pundits who used to predict with enormous confidence know that tomorrow everything could be different. There's nothing that's, everything in our life is a variable. There is no constant. Not our health, not the economy, not, there's nothing in the world that's a constant. Everything is a variable. So if you live in such a world, how, do you, how could you be arrogant? How could you think you have the answers or you've arrived or you're safe and secure or it can't affect you? There's nobody on the planet like that. There's nobody. So you have to live with the humility and realize that there's the orchestrator and a choreographer. <coughs> there's somebody who's pulling the strings and who's in charge, who's doing everything from above. It's the Shalom. Okay. So one of the phrases, one of the core phrases Chazal have when they talk about this Mabat HaPnimi, that's how we got into this. Rav Schwartz differentiated, he distinguished between the Mabat HaChitzoni, the external view of the world, which is to be frazzled and nervous and anxious and worried insecure, to be fearful because of everything I just described, or the mabat ha-pnimi. You have that inner world that says, maybe I'm battling from the moment I wake up to the moment I fall asleep. That's all on the outside. On the inside, calm. Calm, cool, and cool. It's Hashem. He runs the world. I do what I have to do. I do what needs to get done. And beyond that, I let go. Because there's Hashem. What will be with the stock market? I'll find out. Who will be the candidates? When I walk into the voting booth, I'll know. What will happen with the, my kid's school and my, the flight and the thing and the thing and the... We'll see. Who knows? 
If you live with the inner world, if you listen to your inner voice, which is Hashem speaking to you, there's Hashem inside every one of us. We don't only speak to Him when we daven. Davening is that space that we carve to both speak to Him and to listen to Him speaking to us through us. We have a moral compass. We're a pintaliyid. We have an inner voice that sometimes we have to trust. We have to listen to. That's how Hashem is communicating to us. So if you listen to that inner voice and if you live with the perspective of that inner world, what looks on the outside like a world falling apart is really being very carefully organized. Everything is by design. And therefore you're able to keep calm. As we spoke about this past Shabbos, the way we defeat Amalek is keep calm and Puraman. Keep calm and carry on. 1939, the British released 2.5 million posters in anticipation of World War II, telling the British public. They spread them in cities throughout the UK. They actually, I never mentioned this on Shabbos, they actually never got to hung, hang them because the bombing started, <laughs> so they didn't get to hang. They were stuck with 2.5 million posters, but at least that became an icon, which I saw a headline. Someone sent me a headline that the Queen reinvoked that same concept today. The Queen is once again calling for people to keep calm and carry on. So she's like a thousand years old, so she remembers it. And uh, I'm pretty confident she doesn't listen to the Amunashir online, so I'm not going to get a nasty email. She looks good for a thousand. She looks good. She's not a thousand. She's young and spry, and uh, it's all beautiful. Listen, I feel terrible for her. Grand Sharainik Lachar going off the derech. It's got to be very painful for her. It's mamash very painful for her. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's, it's, they're going off the derech. It's very painful for her. We'll see. I don't know if she'll sit shiva or today they don't sit shiva. Hope they'll come back. I don't know how it works with royalty. So anyway, but keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. If you live with your mabat me, if you look at the world, then you just keep calm and carry on. Just there's nothing that frazzles you. Nothing. Nothing. So in the beginning, Hashem created the world and it was expanding. Very consistent with the Big Bang. If you read Dr. Gerald Schroeder's book, Genesis and the Big Bang, you're not afraid to say the word Big Bang in a shul because the notion of a Big Bang is not antithetical. It doesn't contravene our idea of the origins of the universe. But Dr. Schroeder proves through the Ramban and others that in fact, the six days of creation are very consistent with the Big Bang and its theory of how the world was created. They're not in, they're not in conflict. So we know the world was mispashet, it was expanding. Shem created the world and it was expanding. Until HaKadosh Baruch Hu essentially groaned, he moaned, he crechts at the world and he said the word, die. What does the word die mean? Enough. Enough. That's it. So what was this krechts? What was this gar? What, what does it mean? Hashem moaned, he krechts, he, he, he sighed at the world. <coughs> Thank you very much. What does it mean that he sighed at the world and he said, die, it's enough. When we sigh, when we moan, when we krechts, what we're saying is, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm finished. I'm done. Thank you. So what does it mean Hashem saw? Was it Yitzhahara? He was lazy. He was tired. He was done. He drank too much on Purim. 
What does it mean that he told the world it's enough? Stop expanding. Die. Kashborch introduced us to a concept, a critically important concept, arguably one of the themes of Purim, which we're already now preparing for next year, Purim. Kashborch looked at his world, it was expanding and it was growing and it was advancing, and he said, It's enough. Die. Enough. And he introduced to the world the concept and the capacity for us to look and say, die. It's enough. Boundaries, borders, being satisfied with what you have, realizing you can't do or go or experience anything you want. Life is not about whatever brings you pleasure, whatever makes you happy. There has to be the capacity for die, for enough, enough. We'll move over, it's now Erev Pesach. For rabbis and women, Shushan Purim is Erev Pesach. So it's now Erev Pesach. This is one of the themes when we sing Dayenu. Dai Dayenu. What is Dayenu? Is our capacity for Dai. Slavery, being enslaved, being in servitude is an insatiable appetite. A craving for more, for everything. The inability to be satisfied with what you have. Always needing and wanting and pursuing more. Your happiness being defined by what you don't have, not what you have. So if you say... I need the next model of, a, of the cell phone. I need the nicer car. I need the bigger house. I need more clothing. I need, I need, I need, I need. So you're enslaved to whatever fashion industry or technology or your neighbor has. You're enslaved. You're never really free. But the ability to sing Dayenu and the ability to look at the world and say, die, it's enough. That ability to say, die, that's freedom. That is liberty. That is emancipation. So we sing Dayenu. Just like Hashem said, die. We look at the world and we say, die. We have that capacity to say, what I have is enough. So to krech, to sigh, is not the Yitzhahara. It's not laziness. It was the krech of Hashem saying, good. Genukshayn. It's enough. Die. It's good. It's good. The way it is. This is it. This is it. And that's what we sometimes have to live in this world and say, die, it's enough, it's enough. We live in this world, <coughs> everybody in life is sometimes struck by setbacks and challenges and failures that really nothing is opposing us. It's the ability to say, Die. Things are the way they're supposed to be. Instead of looking and saying, why have I run into a wall? I'm trying to advance this project, this initiative, this effort, and I've run into a wall. I'm trying to marry this person or land this job. I'm trying to go to this place or do this thing. So if we listen to that inner voice, just like Hashem said, die, it's enough, when He finished creating the universe, we also in our souls, in our inner voice, have that power to say, die, it's enough. When you say it's enough, you can become relaxed and calm. You can let go. You can let go. It's the inner voice. It's the inner solution. It's the power of die. It's the power of looking at those obstacles and challenges of that wall. Now, here's the thing. It's not easy to know. And I'll give this to you as homework to think about. It's not easy to know 
When is there a wall that was put in, your, in front of you and your job is to run over it or around it or even necessary when necessary to run through it? That's how badly you have to want it. That's how hungry you have to be for it. That's how devoted you have to be towards it. When do you have to run over or around or through that wall because you have to be tenacious and resilient and care? And when do you look at that wall and say, die, die. Let out that krechts, let out that moan, say genukshayn. This is as far as I could take it. And the Rebona Shalom, the universe placed a wall in front of me here. And it's meant for me to be careful, therefore to say, die. This is it. This is as far as I can go. That's not an easy question. And everybody has to listen to their inner voice to figure out, when are you meant to try to run through it? Maybe you try to run around it or over it or under it or through it. And when that doesn't work, you say, I tried. Die. That's it. I took it as far as I could. That's a hard thing to know, but we have to have that capacity. We have to cultivate that ability to within ourselves know when we can look at the world and say, die, it's enough. I've gone as far as I can. I've tried as hard as I can. And I'm not gonna be stressed. And I'm not gonna be frazzled. And I'm not gonna beat myself up. And I'm not gonna forfeit my happiness. Not only to say die externally, but internally still crave and want and so on, but the ability to both externally and internally really mean it when I say die. Mean it. When I say it's enough, feel it and mean it and lean into it and embrace it. You can look at those impediments and those obstacles in two ways. You can look at it and say, I deserve better. This is not happening the way I want. It's supposed to come easily. I'm meant to be wealthy. I'm meant to be married to this person. I'm meant to have these types of children. I'm meant to live this kind of life. I'm meant to have this kind of appearance. And it's not right. It's not fair. Why are there all these obstacles? Why are all these things placed in my way? Why do I have to work so hard when it seems to come so easily to others? Why do I have to overcome all these things? It's not fair to me. It's not the way I want it. It's not just. It's not right. Or, And there are many names to describe that sentiment. You know what that sentiment is? Yetzahara, Sitra Achra, Golos. That sentiment, that attitude that says, it's not fair to me, it's not right to me, but I want it. It's like an impetuous child. But I want it. But I want it. It's nice you want it. It's not, but it's not what's right for you. It's not what you deserve. It's not what you need. It's not what's good for you. But we all know children can be ruthless and relentless and beating you and muttering you when they want something so badly. They literally will drive you insane. And we're trying to say to them, that's the voice of the Yetzirah, the Sitra Achra, the Gullus. I live a little longer, have a little more wisdom, and know that what you want so badly and what you're fighting to go do or have so badly is not good for you. So either I can give in because I don't love you and I love my peace and quiet and you're stealing it from me, or I can bear, be so well, I can bear this painful, <laughs> relentless, 
yeah, muttering, because I love you so much, I'm willing to suffer. So we have that voice in our own lives. We hit that wall of something we want, and we want it badly. And it seems that Hashem, through His universe, is saying, no, we're not now. And yet we say, but I want it. So we mutter and mutter and mutter relentlessly. And that is the Yetzirah. That's the voice of the evil inclination. It's the Sitra Achra. It's the other side. It's the negative energy. It's Golos. It's an exile mentality. Me'idach, however, the inner voice, the inner perspective, the inner view of the world can say, The inner voice can say, can look and say, you know, I've run into a wall not because someone doesn't love me. I've run into a wall not because I'm being deprived or denied something I want and my happiness and something I deserve. I'm running into that wall because that's what's meant for me. That's what's best for me. And therefore, running into the wall should not create angst and anxiety and pain. It should generate a sense of calm and peace to know I've gone as far as I can. And this is not what's right for me. Kodesh Baruch Hu sometimes speaks to us. Sometimes speaks to us through the walls that He places in front of us. Bitochon is living, entering an attitude in life where you say, Shivisi Hashem Samid on the Aaron behind me. I place Hashem before my eyes always, always, everything. Gemara says, You reach into your pocket for a nickel and you pull out a quarter. It's not a coincidence. You reach into your pocket for the quarter and you pulled out the quarter. It's also not a coincidence. Everything that happens is by design and for a reason and is orchestrated from above. It's Hashem communicating to us. And just like He has the capacity to look at a world and say, die, we too are expanding. We're experiencing. But sometimes there are boundaries. And there are limits. And we should look at those limits and say, Hashem is speaking to us because He's always with us. Everywhere and at all times. The whole premise that we call these things obstacles, the whole premise that we call them challenges, the whole premise that we call these things blocking us is wrong. It's a misnomer. They're not obstacles and they're not blocking us. They're providing us the boundaries, they're guideposts. They're helping us understand and interpret our life. If you're looking with the Mabara Chitzoni, if you're living life with the external perspective and the external voice, then you see these things as obstacles blocking you. But if you're living life with your internal voice, then you see these very same things as signposts and guideposts. They're not obstacles. They're teaching us when to say die. <laughs> You're looking at this world, it's illuminated with the light of Hashem. Everything before us, everything happening to us. Rav Dov Zinger, who was here a couple weeks ago, has coronavirus. So he doesn't have the symptoms, Baruch Hashem, he's feeling fine. But he, he, I don't think he had it when he was here. He was here more than 14 days ago. 
were good. Why am I mentioning that? It was in, it was in the Times of Israel, it was in the news, it was one of the newer cases, and he's quarantined. I guarantee you that he's not looking, having just met him for a short time and understanding the way he lives his world. I guarantee he's not sitting back saying, woe is me and why is me and what will be and what am I meant to do with this and I want to go teach Torah and change the world and I'm being quarantined for 14 days. I have to just be by myself. He has that mabat primi, Hashem shivisi Hashem lenegdi samad. Everywhere he looks at all times, Hashem's always with him. So everything is interpreted through Hashem. Everything. Everything you see, hear, do. It's all, there's no obstacles. There's no impediments. And there's no opportunities and lucky chances and good break. It's all Hashem. It's all Hashem. And therefore, you know, the same way, the same way that if you had someone you trusted who said, oh, relax, I know you think that this is bad, but let me explain to you why it's good, it's going to work out. You'd be like, good, I can let go now because I, I don't have to be worried. I have somebody who I trust that if I stick to them and I listen to them, they're telling me I have nothing to worry about. That's fantastic news. And the same is true in my relationship with Hashem. The Meshachachmar of Meris Simchav Dvinsk says that Dveikus, clinging to Hashem, is sticking with Him like glue. Hashem says, Hashem says, stick with me. Hashem says, stick with me. And I got your back. And you're good to go. So when you live life, when we live our lives, with that Mabat Pnimi, that inner voice, with that Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, Hashem is before me always. There's everything. Everything that happens is meant to happen. And if I got stuck in traffic, it's because I wasn't meant to get there earlier. And if this red light, every red light is catching me, it's because this is the schedule I was meant to get there. Now, if you left late because you don't value your time or anyone else's, and therefore you arrive late, you can't be a flippant person at someone else's expense and say, I'm really late and you were waiting, but it's from Hashem. <laughs> Hashem put the voice, Hashem put this in my head that I didn't have to leave earlier on time to have enough respect for you. That's wrong. Being punctual, living our lives. Last year, Shabbos Agadah, we spoke about the Seder. is an exercise in learning to live with Seder, to be organized and punctual, to care, to be disciplined. That is godliness. So you can't just be lazy and, if God wanted my house to be clean, the lack of cleanliness is not an impediment. It's Hashem saying, die. It's enough. It doesn't need to be cleaner. No, that, that's wrong. That's wrong. We have to take our initiative. This Bechir Chavshis, it's our power of free will. We have this power of free will. What am I saying? All that we're learning, what Schwartz is suggesting is, once we've exercised that free will, we tried to clean our house, but you know what? You scrubbed it, you cleaned it, and you hit a wall. It's as far as you can take it. You did what you could. You tried to be on time. You left early, you looked on ways, you scheduled it. But you know what? There was unanticipated traffic. The accident happened right in front of you. Every red light. The traffic signals broke down. Once you've done everything you can do, we're not talking about at, at, instead of free will. You do your free will. But once you've done your free will, you hit a wall. Don't see it as hitting a wall. See it as Hashem saying, die. Genuk shon. It's enough. It's enough. <clears throat> You see, in the external view of the world, everything is fragmented and divided. There are competing and opposing forces, this conflict. But if you're looking with the internal perspective, everything traces back to Hashem. 
If you're looking with an internal perspective, Shivisi Hashem Lanegdi Samid, all there is is Hashem. One unified existence. Everything is from Hashem. So there is no such thing as an obstacle or a wall. It's all coming from Him. Nitain Dugma, which is finished this last paragraph before I'm finished. Nitain Dugma, Manas Laham Chish, it's a hefresh vayevdel. When Moshe's daughter, here we go, we're already back to Pesach. Moshe's daughter, whose name was not Batya, was Bitya. When his daughter Bitya saw the floating basket of Moshe, she extended her hand in order to draw it out of the water. Now, the basket was at a distance from her that, according to nature, she should not have been able to reach the basket. Ulam, however, so when you're floating in the pool and you're reaching for the raft and it's at a distance that Moshe was from the daughter of Paro, but you can't grab it because it's beyond the length of your arm. Would you say, Oh, the universe is so unfair to me. I have such obstacles and difficulties and challenges, and why is this wall put before me? I can't reach it. What would you say? It's natural. My arm is only this length. It's that length plus. Therefore, I can't reach it. Now, what if you're trying to extend your arm and somebody's blocking you? What would you feel it's like? I'm trying to extend my arm. I should be able to grab it. It's within distance. I can grab it. But somebody's holding back my arm. Somebody's blocking me. Somebody's standing in between me and what I'm trying to hold on to. It'll feel like somebody's blocking. So-and-so's blocking me and he's not allowing me to extend my hand. So, if your arm is too short, you can't reach it, you don't feel like the universe is against you. You feel like it's beyond your grasp and it's only natural that you couldn't grab it. What about if someone's blocking you? You feel like, why does this low-life Eisvarf have to stand in front of me and block me? I meant to grab it. He's blocking me and it's not fair to me. Says Rav Schwartz, no. If you live life with Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, and you live life listening to your inner voice, there is nothing that can ever block you. If it ever feels like something's blocking you, it's because you're not meant to reach it. You're not meant to grab it. So therefore, what does that mean? You're trying to grab that thing because you really think you should have it. Someone's blocking you. You exert and you express your free will. You try. 
And once you've tried, but you're unsuccessful, you turn around, you walk away, and you stay calm. You're unfrazzled. Why? Because you don't, there's no one blocking you. You're not meant to have it. Imagine how calm and how happy and prosperous and healthy your life will be if every red light and every traffic jam and every person who's blocking what you're trying to grab, you say to yourself, you know, I was reaching for that last dress on sale. I was trying to land that customer, but my competitor got them. Why is the world against me? I was trying to court that person and she fell in love. He fell in love with someone else. How come nothing falls my way? The answer is there's nothing ever that's blocking you. So you can either live your life that there are things that are depriving you and denying you, or you could live your life realizing these are all malachim of Hashem. These are all agents and expressions of Hashem. Nothing could ever block or stop you or get in your way. If you don't have it, it's because it wasn't meant to be. Continue to express your bechiru chavshis. Use your free will. Try your hardest. Do what you can. Don't be lazy or fatalistic or passive. And don't cop out because you say it wasn't meant to be. Take our initiative. Do everything the way we can. Try as hard as we can. But when we're done, be willing to calmly carry on. Be willing to say, it's not what's meant to be. There's nothing blocking me. They're all messages from Hashem. We'll pick up next week.